Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest bio and intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they bought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Carly Fisher. Carly is a tarot reader at heart and a belly dancer down to her soul. She is raised in Montana, but is proud to call Austin, Texas her home. Shortly after moving to Austin, she explored her love for the tech industry by working for Facebook. After observing the high levels of stress and pressure on her colleagues in the industry, she started offering tarot to her coworkers after hours. The sessions help them make decisions ranging from product launches to career moves. Inspired by the positive impact her tarot readings had on fellow employees, she left her role in 2017. She dedicated herself to Sound Sight Tarot with hopes of helping other people through her heartfelt work. In 2017, 2018, and 2019, she was nominated as one of the best tarot readers in Austin by the Austin Chronicle. She authored the companion guide to The Lost Tarot by Hans Bauer and hopes to publish her new book in 2020. Her playful and creative practices encourage people to explore their life with pure love. She aims to help people to replace fear of the unknown with an insatiable curiosity. Hello, friend. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm. When I saw that you came on, when you like filled up the sheet, I was like, yes, absolutely. We've got to get it on. So I am so excited as well. I'm trying to think when we like first met Matt. I'm, I'm for sure I met you at Irene when you used to do tarot readings there. That wasn't me. What? You have a twin in the world then. Do you know this? Her name's, well, Kristen was reading at Irene's. You weren't there? I feel like my life's a lie. <laughs> no, I know you through um, Out Youth. Oh my God, that's right. I'm terrible. That is, that's right. We Ugh. never met in person. What? No, 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 no. Internet person. So like I read all over the city. I have like four or five different residencies and then I do events really frequently, but uh, we've never read cards together in person. I feel like that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you look so familiar. No, we've. I, I'm. I refuse to accept this fact. Okay. That's how I feel about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> we've been trying to get together for a long time. Though. Maybe that's what it is. I. I swear we have met in person before. Maybe my brain's just jello. This is what happens when you're in quarantine. Nothing makes sense anymore. Or maybe it was a past life. I a hundred percent agree. Maybe that's what it is. I we'll get into that. I have you picking this topic and coming on in a time where my life is just in a very big upheaval. Well, not even upheaval. I'm in a very big period of flux right now, and 
you coming on. I think it just is just what I needed. Um, before we got started, Carly pulled two cards for me. Um, I will be sure to make that like the teaser for this episode because I want everyone to hear that beautiful reading. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit more. Like, how did you originally get into tarot? I was lucky enough to have a group of friends in Montana that started their own meditation society, their own meditation group. So we met every week and we worked on a different topic. And one day the topic was uh, tarot. And at the end of the hour long meditation and kind of lesson on this tool, uh, my friends gave me a deck. And I, I still don't know why. Somebody there just said, we think that you would really enjoy this and do well with it. So that first night, I unboxed a deck and with a friend on either side, we did a reading for each of us about our personalities. And it was just so accurate and it was so beautiful. And the cards were so different for each of us and yet very true to each of us. And so I've always connected tarot to community, connection, and understanding, like truth. And that was how I got into it. Oh, I love that. I know when you, when I... I send out a run of show and I was like, let me make some notes because I like really am super jazzed about this conversation. Um, but I kind of had like the same experience when I like really first got into tarot was in 2017, like right after a bad breakup, my roommate had started reading and, you know, I went to this breakup and was just like so sad. It was so unexpected. I like loved this person dearly and it was like, I was completely blindsided. I had just started a new job. Then we broke up like a week later. It was a whole thing. So my roommate was like, hey, like, let's just see what the universe wants to tell you. Let's just pull a card every day when you get home from work or talk about it. And then I started doing the same for her. Like it was like a really like it was how we like really talked to each other and like decompressed after the day. And then after a while, I was just like, I really like this. And she's like, you're actually like, really good at interpreting cards. And I was like, well, don't let my family know. Like we... From what I've heard, <laughs> my family, um, we're from Louisiana, North Carolina, like the deep south. Um, and a cousin of mine, my second cousin, um, she called me probably about six months after I started reading tarot. And she was like, I'm really glad like you picked up this practice. Our family used to be really into like tarot reading. And, you know, we had people who like had premonitions and like all these things. And I was like, wait, what? She goes, when you were little, we would walk in and you would just be talking to someone in the corner and no one would be there. Like, she's like, you've always been super connected to like the other side. You always like have these really vivid dreams that actually end up coming true. And so like the last couple of years, like since I like reopened, like being an empath and doing all these other things, it has been so weird. Like all the things that have happened <laughs> in like my meditation practices and, you know, reading tarot and like my premonitions and dreams have just got like gotten so much more vivid, like to the point, like I had a dream one night about my ex-girlfriend. We had broken up and one night I just like woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, something's wrong with her. And I texted, I was like, I don't know what happened. Just checking on. It was like two, three o'clock in the morning. I was like, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Let me know if everything's okay. And she texted me back, but I had fallen back asleep. She's like, when you text me, I had just gotten a flat tire and pulled over to like change it. And I was like, okay. And like, she like hates when I do this. Like, um, I've had like dreams of like being at um, this venue for work. And a couple of weeks later, we ended up going and I was talking to my boss. I'm like, we've been here. She's like, it's a brand new contract. Like we have not been here. 
there's no way you've been to this building. And I was like, no, like I've been here before. I was like, I've dreamt about this place. She goes, that's a very weird thing. But and, like, she just didn't believe me. And so her and I were sitting in the lobby and this other girl we worked with was coming back in. And I was like, Mandy's going to walk in and trip on the top step. And she's like, what? I was like, Mandy's going to walk in and trip on the top step. And sure as shit, Mandy walked in and showed them top step. She goes, what? I was like, I have been here. Like I, I have like such vivid premonition-y sort of dreams that like I just like know. And so this has been like the last couple of years have just been wild. And so I am so excited to talk to you about all of the magical things that happen and our connection to tarot and the importance of it. Because I think a lot of people are terrified of it and you know, coming from a very religious family, which is why my family stopped reading. Um, they all have like hesitations about me reading and my meditation practice and everything else. And I'm just like, it brings me so much peace that I like my form of spirituality. So that's my tangent about like <laughs> my experience with terror and everything else. So yeah. That's beautiful. I think that for somebody like you who also has these other broader experiences, it's good to remember that tarot is just one modality, but it's by no means the only gateway through which you can do your work. Um, my original mentors, both of them, they would sometimes use cards once in a while if they needed to, but they also had other ways they connected and, and got that sense of knowledge and wisdom beyond themselves. And so I think it's always good to remember that tarot isn't, tarot is just one small gateway for some people, but there's a thousand ways to access all the different facets of the diamond that is the universe. I had wanted to see if you could guess my favorite card. Because everyone who like, once people know, like it's very on brand. But I always like wonder if people know. So I want you to like think about it during this conversation. I will let you know that it is a major arcana card. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that is like a good place to start of like, can you tell us like the breakdown of tarot and the different like ways to read it. And I think a lot of people, like when you first start out, like I felt I'm a very like analytical person, but I'm also really creative. So like when I first started, I was like, I need every book possible. <laughs> and like went to half price books and you know, like every book I could did all the Google searches, all that sort of stuff and learned that there's like so many different interpretations of it. It, you know, which way they face has a different meaning. Um, so I want to like do like a quick, like, breakdown of information of like how how it flows together what you know different readings can mean all that sort of stuff so yeah you got it well tarot is a very old practice and so there's hundreds of years of people layering on meaning and those meanings are sometimes mired in secret societies so we don't have full access to you know what does one thing symbolize and because of that 10 different people submit 10 different ideas and then that idea evolves in each of their own tracks so that's why we have so many deviations for interpretation a lot of the um a lot of the symbolism was from secret societies but we also have hebrew we have astrology, we have Egyptian lore that's hidden in it. Um, numerology can be hidden in it. And so depending on where people find their strengths and how creative they're feeling, those symbols can take on different meaning. So that's why I think you don't need to study and memorize every little thing about a tarot card because you'll just end up with so many conflicting ideas. At the end of the day, you have to create your own quilt of meanings for your 78 card deck. So a tarot card deck is 78 cards. You have 22 major arcana cards, and those represent larger themes in life 
I like to think of them as roles that you'll fulfill at some point. So if I were to say teacher or seeker or creator, those are all different things that you'll experience, meditator. And sometimes you need to work with those people in your life and sometimes you need to be that person in your life through the course of a lifetime, you'll have every opportunity. The other 56 cards are um, called minor arcana. And I like to think of these as the passing emotions, the temporary day-to-day -day things, the feeling you get when you have a flat tire. That's a minor arcana card. It's gonna be something that's on your mind for a week maybe, but you'll forget about it at some point or the way you feel about it will change. So you went from being maybe freaked out about it to now laughing about it three years later when you remember the story. So that's a changeable quality. You can also think of those two cards as nature versus nurture. So having a major arcana card, it can be something that you're born with, like a trait of your personality. That's just who you are. And then the minor arcana cards are your learned habits. How do I manage and deal with things in my life? Um, and how am I taught to do that? So that's the nurture aspect. Or how can I recondition myself if I need to feel less anger or something? Yeah. Um, so that's your basic breakdown. In terms of reading tarot, less is always more. So I encourage all readers when they're starting off to begin with just one card a day. I encourage asking a question that's just at the end of the day asking, uh, what is a card for my day? And looking backwards at the day. Because if you pull a card in the morning, you end up projecting forward what you think your day will hold. And if you're new to tarot and if you happen to be using a site that has intimidating messages in the cards, and some of them do, some of them will say, this is a card that means someone's lying to you. That's a really scary card to have in the morning and that doesn't help anybody at all. So I like to pull a card at the end and then you can look back and say you read that type of a definition and you could look back and say, where was there some dishonesty in my day? Or where, you know, maybe where did I not speak my truth? And maybe that can be a better way to process the card than to project it forward. I also typically will do a three or a four card spread at max. You have your Celtic cross, which is a beautiful traditional card spread that's uh, based off of the image of the Celtic cross, which has a long staff and then the cross. But that's something that is well used when you have like an hour and lots of time to sit and look at each card. But for a beginner, I don't think it helps. So less is always more in that. Less is more effective because tarot cards have enough meaning within them that you've got to just dive into one and feel it. Yeah. When you're interpreting a card, I always encourage people to imagine that it's a portrait that's hanging up in an art museum. And before you get close enough to read the text that tells you what's going on in the picture, you've got to trust your first instincts and feelings about it. And then you can look up some traditional definitions because tarot does have history to it. And then you piece together what you see and feel in the image with what you learned from the internet or your book, your references, and feel free to just pick up certain lines of text, pick up what serves you and is true for you because your life story is very different than the author of that book. And this is an art, not a science. Then merge all of those things together and you have your interpretation for the card. I'm writing notes. <laughs> this is so helpful. I, I think 
another thing like I was saying before that I really faced is like when I first started like diving back in, a lot of people are so hesitant of tarot. And I think it's people think it's like parlor tricks. Like there's like no way you could possibly know this. And so one of my favorite things used to be reading for a friend of mine who was like one of the biggest skeptics. Um, And, you know, pulling, I did a reading for her one day. We were grabbing lunch and she was just dating this person who I personally didn't care for, but I was like, I'm supportive of, if this makes you happy, who am I? Um, So she was like, I'm just having like this really bad feeling. And I was like, well, the cards never lie. So if you want to like pull some cards right now, I'll, you know, you can interpret them. Um, And the reading was like, so like dead on for her and the situation she was going through. Um, And she was like, I just have, she's like, I've been a skeptic for the longest time. I was like, the thing with tarot is like out of the 78 cards you could pull, what are the odds? Like this, this is like the exact like reading you would get, like just the probability of like you pulling these exact cards at this, at this time um, is something that I've like really held on to, like for people who like need it scientifically in their brain. If you think about like that sort of, I'm like of that view of it. I'm like, but also it's just like, trusting in that like the universe is just trying to like lightly guide you and, <laughs> and help you see things that you aren't paying attention to um because i think like like you're saying once you like visually have that in front of you and you can interpret it for yourself it just like really opens your mind up to things so i think that's one of the most beautiful things that i've gotten for for reading for myself and for others is just like the that everything is like working in tandem and like if you're open to receiving messages from the universe or spirit or whatever you believe in it's just like this really beautiful connection that like you're saying that sense of like community that you start to feel i find that tarot is also it comes from our own unconscious our own subconscious really and so while we can use the word universe that might also be speaking to the depths of our subconscious things that we know but that we may not have been able to consciously categorize and so there is this part of our brain that stores memories that we haven't quite been able to put a label on or categorize and if you think about how much information we're constantly taking in through our senses there's too much to perfectly put in place and so when I read cards I like to say it is pure chance these cards didn't come up for any specific reason. And I'm, I'm absolutely honest. When I read cards, I just say, yep, these are the cards that came up. It is a coincidence. And what are we going to do with them? Yeah. That, and that's how I like to do it. Like it is just like this random probability because in a lot of cases you could have five or six different cards that do make sense for your situation or once the card comes up then you know you have a personal bias that will help you to find where that is placed so say say a really positive card or something came up for the person that she was dating maybe then she could recognize how like she feels some excitement but like that excitement is actually not towards this person Mm. and like that excitement is actually because like they were able to connect her to a a hobby that she likes, but now she wants to go like explore that hobby. So it's not always the card that comes up. It's how do we interpret the message therein? Mm. Yeah. And that keeps it a little more open as well. So that way we don't have trepidation or fear because the tarot can't tell you anything that you don't already know. 
Mm. And that's because it does require you to be present and for you to do the work to see the card and to place it. And where you place it is all you need to know, kind of like a Rorschach test. Uh, okay. Do you host classes? I want to like learn <laughs> so much from you. Um, tell us like about like sound sight tarot, how this came to be, all that sort of stuff. So I feel like just sitting here talking to you right now, like, I could listen to you talk about tarot all day. So I'm like <laughs> trying to like stay on track. Um, but yeah, like give, give us that whole breakdown of like how you got here. You left tech and you started reading and now you have this amazing practice that you offer to others. So yeah. I love getting to read tarot for people and I especially love doing, I like doing deep readings, but I enjoy doing those 15 minute chunks of readings. And I jokingly call myself a 15 minute confessional because we can create this safe space where people share what's going on. And then oftentimes I feel like I can be, uh, I can affirm what's happening with them and give them some care and some feedback and ideas that come through the tarot because tarot is great at bringing up new ideas and challenging assumptions and the stories we tell ourselves. But then hopefully also if they need more help, we can send them to a friend or to therapy or to like a mentor or something like that. Um, so I love those, those client get togethers, but um, I love classes the most. It's my number one favorite project and it's my favorite part of every week when I leave a class my face is usually bright red and I could just be walking on my tiptoes even if I'm just wearing tennis shoes I just feel so happy so I do have classes they're called I'm not your fortune teller <laughs> and I used to teach uh, two to three hours of classes per night I don't know what it is but with tarot I feel like you can see the entire world and human history <laughs> within and so the beginning six-week course is just a one-time thing that you take. And it's called I'm Not Your Fortune Teller, an Introduction to Interpretation. And that's when I talk about how to interpret cards, how to formulate questions that are non-predictive, how to employ therapy language when you're interpreting tarot and creating messages, how to read for other people using trauma-informed techniques, um, which are really subtle, but it's like, how body language, voice, tonality, uh, conversation can help create a really safe experience for somebody who is receiving a reading. And then the ethics of reading um, and where you need to draw boundaries as a reader and also where you need to not follow patterns that are based on predictive qualities or like fear-based qualities or anything that might manipulate or take advantage of a power differential. So all of those things get talked about in those first six-week courses. And I limit always, I limit every class to six people so that we get to actually talk and get to know each other and share like what's going on in our lives if we want to. Then you're invited to come into Tarot Mechanics. And so that's also six weeks, but there's four sections of it. And... <laughs> All of this material has been created over the last three years of teaching classes. And I'm incredibly grateful to people who've showed up to the classes and dedicated consistently because they always inspire me to teach them more. But it's how do you, you know, tarot mechanics will be, what are some of the classical historical spreads and why were they created? So we'll work the first operation, which is an old golden dawn exercise. Uh, we'll do the Celtic cross, and then I'll teach you how to conceptualize and create your own spreads for any reading you ever want to do. And I have a whole collection, a booklet of um, 
readings that students have made over the last two years. And so when you arrive early to class and you're in the lobby, you can just open up the book and see what all of these different spreads are and it can come, help you come up with cool ideas. So uh, tarot mechanics, there's a lot of that. Um, there's also an entire six-week session that focuses on employing therapy language and how you can use tarot to explore different conflict management techniques and also how you can use explore different love languages through tarot and how different tarot cards will represent different love languages. So you could create a spread that helps you figure out how can I best express care and love? How can I best receive it? Um, so we, we can talk about that there. And then the last set of classes, the last tier is for the fully experienced students, I guess you could say. I don't like using beginner, intermediate, advanced, but essentially that's your tier. And it's called Tarot Circle. And bless their hearts, they show up for whatever I have to share with them. And sometimes I'll create a spread where you work with the person across the table from you and you do like a crisscross spread where you see how your cards line up with the person's across from you and what the card in the center is, like how that connects to you both. So sometimes I'll have like really bizarre spreads that we use. And sometimes we'll do things like, um, just ex exploring like the darker, heavier cards and talking about how to manage grief uh, in, in tarot cards. Uh, I call that the tough love tarot class. So we always have, with Tarot Circle, we always have these different deeper explorations and it's always so fun. Like I like to play the game. I have all these different tarot games that we do and one of them is what's my story. And so sometimes I'll have people become the character in the card and they have to tell us what is your, where do you live? What do you do during the day? Uh, what's your nickname in the neighborhood? And uh, what's the last one? Oh, how do you unwind at the end of the day? And then we have to guess what your card was. And so I like to help people explore tarot by being inside the card and outside and having fun with it. It's not exactly irreverent, but it does become creative and playful and it helps everybody find their connection with cards. It's like, it's building familiarity, right? Like you're getting to really know. I, I took notes because I'm also like, I got to, I have to find this. Um, I'll also be sure to like link it all in the show notes, but that's just, yeah. I, uh, uh, I think also like why I have really loved tarot and like reading for people um, is because I come from a social work background. And so like being, that's kind of how I was starting to read a lot for people was just like sitting and like looking at them um, I, that's one thing I really learned was like looking at the cards first and then like seeing how they worked together. Um, I always like to leave on like, even if it's like a heavier card to end with and depending on like what the spread is, I always like, I try not to leave on a negative note. Um, also like when people get the death card is always super interesting for folks. Um, cause I think everyone always like immediately assumes like someone's going to die. Um, but what I have learned in my reading and reading for others is like, it's more that like something has to die. Like there's like some change that needs to happen or like there's something like you've been ignoring that, you know, um, your subconscious is trying to bring to you to notice. Um, but I think that's kind of what I learned is like taking like my social work, Pisces heart, <laughs> um, really like intuitive brain and just being like, okay, how can I read this in a way that's like not going to be scary that they're going to really get the message um, and really connect it and hold on and hold on to it. So I'm already a big fan of all your classes and I 
will be checking them out because I just I feel like I feel like everyone needs to learn or at least like the 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 way you're you're teaching it is just like waste like just communication styles of like you can have this really heavy thing in front of you but it's just like how you deliver deliver the message and make sure people hear it so uh, the way I define tarot is as a tool for opening conversations love it yeah and then once you have that conversation open how do you manage it and direct it and guide it and you can use the cards as a way to bring up ideas and then if you have some of those other tools to really be present with that person and just take the conversation where it needs to go you can you can hit amazing places um yeah and i think that with with tarot people underestimate the importance of the connection of the person that you're with or even the connection to yourself like we sometimes give too much power to the cards I could not <laughs> nod more if I tried, but yeah. I'm also like, I have to go like find my cards. I haven't read in a long time. So like now I'm like, okay, I have to go cleanse my cards. It's supposed to rain today. I'm going to like open all my windows, get all the things ready. Like I, it's a whole process, which is also going back to like when you read, like that's a form of meditation practice too. It's like the way I take care of like my tarot cards is like very analytical and like a very like drawn out process. And it's just like, one of my favorite things to do. So that's also a thing I'm going to do later today after like I finish my two recordings today. So yeah. Well, about the devil card or sorry, the death card, the death card. What about it? Well, the reminder I want to give everybody is that tarot was invented so long ago that it was originally a game where people played something that was similar to bridge with these cards. Oh. And then when they had the major arcana cards created, they were called the triumphi or the trump cards. Then they would lay those face cards down, those archetypes. And this would be a parlor game. And then you would take your little figurine that represented you, or I don't know, maybe it was like a bean. I don't know what these are. But then you would um, roll the dice and then you would jump across the cards. And whichever cards you touched, you had to make a story using the personalities of those cards. And so it was a way that women used to show off their wit in the parlor and their intellect. And it was a, originally like the, a board game before board games were created. And wow. so they something that was similar to shoots and ladders. And so because of that, a card like the death card wasn't literal. It was a, a metaphor for the great plague, which did completely reconstruct Europe, right? It killed a third of the population. Yeah. Which is why it's number 13. And so there's the history of the, the cards goes back to how it was used and understood at the time when it was created. So now our relationship with death is really different than the relationship with death was in the 1700s or 1400s, right? You were much closer to it back then. Here, we definitely have the luxury of keeping it farther away and out of our mind. Um, and that's why when these cards come up, people freak out. But if they understood that this was originally just a character in a board game, and you know that would be kind of a fun character to land on uh then they wouldn't be so scared because it wouldn't be taken so literally but it was meant to be a metaphor yeah. i'm learning so much write a book so i can read it i love this so much no pressure i know everyone's not meant to write a book but i'm also like if you write it i will buy it <laughs> i'm working on one Oh, that's right. That's right. I will give me first edition. I need it. <laughs> I would love to. That I would be honored to get to share it with the nearest and dearest. My syllabus that I give out in the Not Your Fortune Teller class, the first set, um, it's like a 30-page syllabus. 
And then it has all of these different activities and an interactive workbook. And then there's a 15 page card index with images in it. And so I'm taking all of that and making sure that it's really well self-guided. And I'm making sure that it explains tarot in a way that isn't scary and isn't predictive and just helps you feel empowered to reflect on your life and create conversations between yourself and the people you love, people around you. And so that will take some time to finish, but just so you know, like, I really want to share this with people. It's a big goal that I have. It will happen. It will happen. Speak it into existence. Manifestation for sure. I was working on it yesterday. Love it. Love it. Well, um, as, as a way to wrap every show, I like to ask the question, what is the best advice you were ever given or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Can I answer both of those questions? You may answer both of them. <laughs> the best advice I was ever given was from an early mentor in my tarot path. And she told me that prosperity follows purpose. Mm. And it was when I was debating, do I leave tech when I could fight for a space in a corporate world? I could fight for salary and strive to work inside that massive organization? Or do I risk the path of entrepreneurship in a field that has sometimes limited visibility beyond entertainment purposes? And she just looked at me and she said, purpose follows prosperity. Sorry, prosperity follows purpose. Yeah. And it has been very true. Even in the darkest moments and the greatest struggles of entrepreneurship, including quarantine, where I don't have, I don't qualify for unemployment and I haven't received any of the SBA loans because I'm a sole proprietor. Uh, e even then, like somehow the, the people who have been students and clients and, you know, connected to me, like they've all been here to support and help. And I've really noticed that that maxim has been true. And I, I want more people to trust it in their life. The second one, what I wish I could tell myself, golly, I wish I could tell myself to panic less. <laughs> there were so many times in my life that I panicked because, you know, maybe like my car broke down or I had a miscommunication in a relationship, you know, and I would just panic. And I wish that I would just sit inside that feeling or that experience for a little bit before I judged it or before I took action out of that panic state. And I wish that I just knew I didn't have to panic as much as I have in my life. I love that. Yeah, pan a friend, my friend's dad always says there's no point in worrying twice. So, which is something I've held on to for a long time. Well, thank you so much. I will be sure to link everything in the show notes. And that's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com. And visit the website, theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye.